From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. The recent headlines grabbed our attention about a study that showed many women with breast cancer may not need to undergo chemotherapy, but there's much more to the story. And here to help explain it is Dr. Abby Rami Sivapiragasam. She goes by Dr. Abby Siva. She's a medical oncologist at the Upstate Cancer Center, and I thank you for being here, Dr. Siva. Sure, Amber, anytime. Well, let's start by asking, were there patients from Upstate who were part of this study? Yes, yes, we are very proud to say that um, the study enrolled about 10,000 plus uh, patients all over the uh, world, and we we did contribute to this study, and we still have some patients who are actively in, enrolled in this study um, ongoing. Um, they're being followed for their outcomes, so we are very proud to say that. So it's an international study. Can you um, kind of describe how it was done? Because it's over a course of many years, right? Right. This is over more than like nine to ten years. They followed these patients for a long time. Um, so the reason why they, they uh, wanted to do this study was because um, certain types uh, of breast cancer patients, uh, the, recently we are learning that they could avoid chemotherapy. Again, it's not for all comers, but um, when patients have hormone-positive breast cancer, and if they don't have advanced stages such as lymph node-positive disease, um, there is a subset of patients who will benefit from chemotherapy, but majority of patients might not have to go through that route. And to tease this out, to tease out the patients who really needed chemo versus who could not be, um, who, who could not have to go through chemo, uh, they came up with this assay called Oncotype. And this particular study, what they were looking for um, is when patients fall onto this what we call the intermediate group, um, do they really need chemotherapy or not? That's the question this study was trying to answer. We already knew that when patients fall on the low-risk group, we can safely avoid chemotherapy, whereas when patients fall on the high-risk group, we definitely have to recommend chemotherapy. However, the intermediate group was sort of a gray zone all along, and it was a very it was challenging for physicians to uh, make a decision about chemotherapy because we really didn't know what to do up until this study came out on the 3rd of June. Um, what they did was they randomized half of the patient to chemotherapy and endocrine therapy and half of the patient to just endocrine therapy alone. And after following them for more than nine years, they found out that they both did very well. Both groups did very well. So we know we can safely now avoid chemotherapy in this group of patients. But they also found out there's a subset of young women who are younger than 50 years old might still derive some benefit from chemotherapy. So there is a little nuance to that. But nevertheless, you received, you got a lot of data to help you infor- inform you on which women, which patients would benefit from having the chemo along with the Right, exactly. Um, we are now more confident. This is very personalized treatment for each patient based on their score. And we think now we are able to spare about 70% of the patients who would fall in this category from chemotherapy. 70%. That's why I was going to ask how many women this applies to. So we're talking about women who have a hormone-positive breast cancer mm-hmm. and that it's not an advanced stage, cancer. Right. Stage, right. So um, 50% of the time when somebody's diagnosed with breast cancer, they have this hormone-positive lymph node negative, which is not advanced stage cancer. So among those 50%, um, we can spare about 70% of the patients from chemotherapy. 
and only 30% would benefit from chemotherapy after the study. Okay, and you mentioned, though, there's still a little subset of the younger women, under 50 Mm -hmm. women, um, that are still part of this that maybe it does make sense to do chemotherapy Right, right. Do we know why the age difference or what? Yeah, Uh, again, the speculation is that we know younger patients tend to have more aggressive types of breast cancer, and therefore um, aggressive types of breast cancer usually respond well to chemotherapy. And that would be the reason why that subset of patients derived more benefit from chemotherapy. So in younger women, the cutoffs are a little different. So just to give you a, a rough ballpark on the scores that we are talking about, Anything less than 10 is considered the low-risk group. 10 to 25 is that intermediate group that they were studying in this uh, particular Taylor-RX study. Um, So we know anybody who is above 50 years old, the score of 10 to 25, they can still avoid chemotherapy. However, if it is a younger woman less than 50 years old, any score above 15, we would like to give them chemotherapy. So the cutoffs are a little different for that young group. Now, when you mention these numbers, the 10, the 10 to 25, the mm-hmm. 15, does that apply to that oncotype test? That right, exactly. Okay. So these scores are something we derive from the oncotype assay. And the way how it's done is there's only one lab in the country that will be running this test. What we do after the patient goes through surgery, we send a little piece of their tumor specimen to that to this specific lab, and then in Usually about three weeks' time, we'll get the score back. And the score can range from zero to 100. Huh. Okay. So is this, is this like a biopsy? It's a sample from Right. This surgery. is a sample from surgery. So it's very personalized, personalized to their particular cancer. And is it, so it's looking at the genes? Right. So it's called a 21-gene assay because they're looking at 21 genes that are important for breast cancer proliferation, which is dividing and spreading. Um, So based on the score, the higher the score is, the higher the risk of the cancer coming back in the future. So we already know when the score is above 25, their risk is high enough that we have to include chemotherapy part of our treatment plan. And so this is very specific to the individual woman, this test. Would it um, inform you on her children as well because it's a genetic test or not? No, this is not a genetic test. It is just a specific test to her tumor tumor. only. This is not looking at their genomic, uh, like the usual genetic tests that we talk about, like BRCA1, BRCA2 mutation. Those are called germline mutations that somebody's born with. Those are tested very differently. These are called somatic mutations that are particular to the tumor tissue only. So tumor-specific. Right, right. Very space-agey, it sounds like. But this test has been around for a few years, right? No, more. Yeah, it's been around for more than 10 years. We've been using it. But like I said, it's that intermediate group we didn't know what to do with. But we knew the high-risk people definitely needed chemotherapy for many years. So let me ask about chemotherapy because for for decades we've heard that, you know, chemo is the treatment for cancer. Mm -hmm. So, and it it kills cancer cells. Mm -hmm. So why, why are we trying not? to give it to patients? Right. No, very good question. So chemotherapy, we knew that it did save a lot of patients' lives, and you know we use it for all types of cancers. But there, there's definitely a cost to it. There's, a, there's side effects that come with chemotherapy, such as infections, sepsis, um, nausea, vomiting, 
um, you know, alteration of your kidney functions, liver function, hair loss, neuropathy, which is like tingling and numbness in your hands and feet. So there are definitely side effects involved with chemotherapy. So if, if we could tease out patients who might not really benefit from chemotherapy, we don't have to really expose them to it. Again, that doesn't mean that we could spare everybody from chemotherapy. We know this is a specific subset of patients that we are looking at. Okay, and some of the things are happening currently when you're given the chemo, the side effects, but then there's some that are longer term, right? Very true, very true. So long-term risk, again, not uh, very high in terms of frequency, about less than 1% of the chance certain chemotherapies can even cause blood disorders, leukemias, things like that. So definitely we are worried, yeah. All right. Well, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Abby Siva. She's a medical oncologist at the Upstate Cancer Center. And we're talking about the recent study that grabbed headlines um, talking about how some women with breast cancer may not need to undergo chemotherapy. But I also wanted to ask you about the endocrine therapy, because that seems to be applicable to all of the women in this group, right? Right. So... Do you have to decide whether a woman needs the endocrine therapy or do they all get some form? Right. So they they all get it because if you see, um, like I mentioned before, hormone positive breast cancers were the only patients included in this study. So when when I say hormone positive breast cancer, what it means is that their breast cancer is actually driven by the estrogens and progesterones in their body. So the hormonal therapy, what, what the, the role of hormonal therapy is to suppress the amount of estrogen or progesterone that they are producing in their body. So in a premenopausal young women, the source of estrogen is coming from the ovaries. So we use medications to suppress the ovaries and we use medications to block their estrogen receptors, such as tamoxifen that people might have heard of. But in postmenopausal women, you would wonder where is this estrogen coming right. from because their ovaries are not really making it. So that the source of estrogen in a in a postmenopausal woman is from fat tissue and from the adrenal glands. So the cholesterol in our body can be converted to androgens and then to estrogens. So we use medications called aromatase inhibitors to block that conversion. So we are pretty much decreasing the amount of estrogen production in their body. So does that prevent cancer from coming back? Right. Or exactly. that's what it's supposed to do. Exactly. So these are all um, these are all patients who are cured by surgery. So the role of our therapy, either endocrine therapy or chemotherapy, is to prevent this breast cancer from coming back. Even though we know the surgeon was able to remove the breast with uh, the tumor uh, with good margins. Our concern is can there be microscopic cells left behind in the breast or elsewhere in the body that could come back as a problem down the road, even sometimes five years or even 10 years down the road, they can come back. So by continuing, by giving them long-term hormonal therapy or even chemotherapy, we are trying to prevent this risk of coming back. Well, it sounds like there's a lot uh, lot more options um, and a lot more things to consider for a woman who's diagnosed with breast cancer mm-hmm. today. Walk me through, once a, once a woman's diagnosed with breast cancer, what does an oncologist do to help her decide what is the best treatment for her? Sure, sure. So, you know, first... 
first of all, they, they have an abnormal mammogram and they undergo a biopsy and the biopsy shows breast cancer. And it, the biopsy will tell us what type of breast cancer. Is it hormone positive breast cancer, hormone negative, or there's a one, there's another one called HER2 positive. So once we know that information, uh, we can tailor our treatment plan according to the subtype and the stage of the breast cancer. First, uh, if it is an early stage, stage one to three is considered early stage, patients um, can go for surgery and then we consider radiation therapy in certain situations and hormonal therapy in hormone-positive breast cancers and then chemotherapy in patients um, who have high-risk breast cancers such as triple-negative or HER2-positive or high-risk hormone-positive breast cancer. And so that's a course of treatment that would take several months? Yes, yes. It can take several months. Um, so you know, surgery and healing, um, which surgery to, you know, from the time the patient has a surgery, uh, the healing takes place about three to four weeks time. They're pretty much ready for their next line of treatment. If someone needs chemotherapy, the second step would be to go through chemotherapy. And then the third step would be the radiation therapy. So um, if, if you have the surgery, then you do that test that, mm -hmm. that oncotype yeah. so you have to wait but that's being done while they're healing from the surgery exactly, right so exactly it doesn't take extra time seems like it's pretty well orchestrated right right um now you mentioned the hormonal therapy that's the endocrine therapy mm -hmm. it's the same thing right right um does that continue after the chemotherapy or is right. it a lifelong thing or so so the hormonal therapy will be started after they're done with their radiation and chemotherapy and once you start the hormonal therapy, for premenopausal women, we recommend it for 10 years. We know it's beneficial for the first 10 years. Um, whereas for postmenopausal women, we recommend it for five years. However, there are studies now looking at the role of hormonal therapy for 10 years in postmenopausal women as well. So again, it's a dynamic field right now. A lot of research going on. Some supported, some are not really supportive. So the question is still up in the air for that. So the results of that study in the future might change the exactly. way the yeah. treatment's being done. So before we go, let's just reiterate, um, this: the results of this study that we've been talking about, about whether chemotherapy is necessary, that only applies to a certain group of women. Um, this is for a specific group of patients who fell on that intermediate group based on the oncotype test. So this is not for applicable for all breast cancer patients. So we still know that there is a, a subset of patients who would benefit from chemotherapy, which is the, I think that, sh that should be um, clearly emphasized for our listeners. Good to know. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the information. My guest has been Dr. Abby Siva from the Upstate Cancer Center. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air. Thank you, Amber.